0: So, question for you. Have you ever name-dropped? Anybody? Do you know what name-dropping is? When you name-drop is when you use somebody's name, someone you know, to kind of benefit uh, yourself. Maybe you've been pulled over by a police officer in Boston at some point. You say something like, good morning, officer. Do you know Officer Tommy O'Leary? He's my cousin, right? You, you drop a name for, for the hope that you'll get something out of her. Maybe maybe in school, you're trying out for a team, and uh, you uh, go up to the coach, and you say, my big brother played for the team. Remember? State champions. Remember that? And you try to try to get something out of it for yourself. Or maybe you've been in an interview, and you're just dropping names of, of people who are, are in good standing and work for the company or maybe some business contacts that you have. Bottom line is it pays to be connected. And that really is the bottom line for the scripture we're going to look at this morning is that it pays to be connected. And so today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you want to grab a Bible, flip on over there, scroll there in your church app. If you don't have a Bible of your own, we've got Bibles around the room. You can grab one of those. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16. We're we're closing out one year uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians. We started last September. Uh, This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church that he started in Corinth, Greece. And they were, I'm telling you guys, they were so messed up. This church was just messed up. And that's why we call this series The Wild Ones. Uh, really no church is, is perfect. And uh, he, he wanted this church to to flourish and to do well and to live the lives that God had intended for them. And now if you know me, uh, you know that I'm kind of type A, organized, I like things a certain way. And I got to be honest that after a year in 1 Corinthians, it really bothered me that we weren't able to finish this series last week and kick off a new series at the start of the new year, I mean, honestly, really, uh, really pained me. However, God's timing never ceases to amaze me, because as I started to dig into the scripture for this morning and, and prepare, I just saw that God really has something that He wants us to hear, and not last week. He wants us to hear it this week. Now, do come back next week. We're going to kick off a, a new series that we're calling Pause. And we're going to spend four weeks thinking about this concept of pause from the Scripture. And I don't want you to miss the first installment. It's really, uh, really going to be good. But this week, God has something for you that I just know you, you need to hear. We all need to hear. And so I'm calling this sermon Name dropping. So if you're name dropping is the, is the name of this sermon, and I, you know, I'll give you a secondary title because two are better than, than one. Uh, so here's the, the secondary title is, He's Got Connections. So name dropping, He's Got Connections. So for those of you who were with us back last September 2017, do you remember the thesis statement from uh, the very beginning of 1 Corinthians uh, flip over there if you want, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and in verse 10, Paul gives us some introductory marks, and then in verse 10, uh, he gives the thesis. Here it is. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united and in the same mind and in the same Judgment. And then he goes on to talk about uh, divisions that were plaguing this particular local church in Corinth, Greece. And so he talks about divisions like uh, they, they were divided over who their favorite preacher was. And so they had factions. I, I, I like Josh, or I like David, or I love it when Kevin preaches, or I love it when Jewah preaches. And they, they were divided that way. Or, or they had uh, divisions over their finances. And so they were suing. Each other. They they had divisions. uh, Married people versus single people. There was division inside of the marriages. There was division over food preferences. I guess that's not uh, that's not even uh, uncommon for us today, right? Divisions over sexuality, manhood, womanhood. Uh, There was divisions even within communion. People were cutting in line for communion and getting drunk on the communion wine there was a division over the gifts over the roles that people had in the life of the church so that those who had certain roles that maybe were more preferable that were looking down their nose at other people as though I'm better than you and you don't have what I have and your role isn't my role I mean it was just it was just crazy and so Paul's thesis at the very beginning is I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and there be no divisions among you. That there be this distinct oneness among us. That there be this distinct connectedness among us. And Paul fights for that throughout the entirety of this letter until we get to the end here in chapter 16. And and instead of talking about it, he models it for us. And I, I love this. He models oneness. He models agreement. He models connectedness. He made a choice to live his life connected boys got connections right check it out first corinthians 16 and we're just going to read 1 through 12 here first corinthians 16 1 through 12 he says now concerning the collection for the saints as i directed the churches of galatia so you also are to do on the first day of every week each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when i come When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intended to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits." But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers." Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to stay or to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. So much in here that it's easy just to overlook. Oh yeah, Paul's making some cordial remarks here. In, in these verses, he is making some, some notes uh, that are being added on to the bulk and the, the, the heaviness of his teaching. He's making some updates. He's making some requests. He's making some Explanations, but do you see in here just how connected this guy is? I mean, he's he he is he's connected. Verses one through four. Look again. He starts by talking about this special collection for the saints, a special offering that was uh, to help the Christians who were in Jerusalem who were being uh, especially persecuted for following Jesus. And Paul instructs these believers in Corinth and in Galatia, he says, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, Christians began to to worship on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus resurrected from the grave. He says, on the first day of the week, as you gather, uh, each of you is to put something aside and and store it up. So this is why we as a church will pass baskets at the end of our gathering, we'll point you to the app. you'd like to give to help meet needs and to get the gospel to our our neighborhood and to the ends of the earth to serve our community to serve other people and and so Paul says Corinthian Christians I I want you to do this as do all the churches in Galatia I, I have them all doing the same thing and then when I head to Jerusalem your finance team can come with me they can carry the the gift and we can help these these people out he then goes on verses five through nine and he talks about his His travel plans, if you want to look there. He says, I'm going to Macedonia, and then I'm going to connect with you. I might even stay uh, with you through the, the winter. And he goes on, and I will stay in Ephesus, another church that he started and a church that he loves. He says, because a wide door for effective work has opened to me there. Just a side note. Can I just say... That, that I feel like we're kind of in that season right now as a church, that a wide door for effective ministry, a tremendous opportunity is before us now. God is clearly at work in our city, and we have an opportunity to join him in what he's doing. Just a side note, but I, I just passionate about us as God's people being in on what he's doing in our neighborhood, our city, our schools, our campuses, just a tremendous opportunity as we look at this, this new year. So he says, a wide door has opened to me, and Ephesus and then look at verses 10 and 11. And then he talks about Timothy, his son in the faith, this guy that he deeply loves. Paul didn't, didn't have children of his own. Timothy has kind of become like his his own son, son at least in the faith. And, and Paul asks this church in Corinth at the end of this letter, he says, would you do me a favor? When, when Timothy comes and he hangs out with you, would you put Timothy at ease among you? For he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. Help him on his way in, in peace, that he may return to me and to the, the brothers. I need my son back, is what Paul's saying. I need him taken care of. I need him to be fed. I need him back in, in one piece. Would you do me that favor? That's what he's saying to the church in Corinth. He, he's able to ask the favor because he's connected to these people. Last year, uh, I had a friend reach out to, uh, to me, and he, he said, hey, I've got a friend uh, in Texas uh, they have two children with spina bifida, and uh, I think they have two other children. And uh, one of the the kids is really in serious need of a of a surgery. But their finances are just, they're just wiped out, and they can't afford uh, to stay at a hotel. They're going to come to Boston, uh, to Children's Hospital, to be uh, in, this, in this process of getting the surgery. And, and so the friend reached out to me, is there anything that, that maybe you guys could do? And, and Becky and I got really excited because we were actually going away uh, for vacation during the time that they were coming up. To, to stay uh, for the surgery. And so we said, actually, take our house. You can have the whole thing. And it was so cool for me. I just love my wife. Just watching her, just get, she got excited. She, she deep cleans the house. She gets it all beautiful. She gets flowers in the vases. She buys gift cards and, and pulls out like a list of places that you can you can eat at. She fills up the pantry and the fridge with groceries so that when we go, that they're, they're all, I just, I love this woman. She's, she's amazing. And, and here's the deal, someone, in our faith family has family, and so their family is our family, right? A friend of yours is a friend of mine. Your family is my family that 's what that 's what paul 's saying he 's like my my son in the faith timothy he 's coming through can you can you take care of it? It pays to be. It pays to be connected. Now, here's what I want you to see in these first 12 verses here. If you're taking notes, which is on the back of your river guide, or you can do it through the church app there. If you're taking notes, there's really two sections that I want you to see here in these first 12 verses. The first section is verses 1 through 4. The second section is 5 through 12. Now, here here it is. When it comes to robust, connected faith family, first... You need to provide it. And then secondly, you need to receive it. You need to provide it, verses 1 through 4, and you need to receive it, 5 through 12. Now, now we all know that Paul himself, he, he provided it, right? He spent his life building churches, planting churches in major urban centers, and, and, and that's what he, he spent his life doing. And so here we see him, him providing it. Verses one through four, he's ensuring the care of struggling believers in Jerusalem who are being persecuted in, in, in Jerusalem by both uh, the Romans and the Jews. So they're getting it on both sides. The Bible talks about sorrow upon sorrow. That's what they were, that's what they were going through. And so Paul says, let me, let me make sure they're cared for. That they've got family looking after them. And so he, he provided it. But then the other thing that I, I think we might easily overlook, but we have to know about the Apostle Paul. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, is that he also sought to receive it. 5 through 12, we, we just talked through it, that, that he asks that he could receive some of the benefits of connectedness. Verse 5, Corinthians, can I stay with you? When, when I'm passing through. Verse 6, would you be able to help me on my way? Help me get fueled up, help me be refreshed, help me get the supplies I need, etc. Right? Verse 7, he says, I don't want to just pass through. I want to get some real time with you, he says. And then in 10 through 11, will you help my, my son in the faith, Timothy? Paul is saying, I, I need it. And, and, and can, you, can you even help my, my son in the faith, Timothy? I had a sweet uh, moment on a Sunday uh, back in August. Uh, I know it was a big vacation season, and so probably a lot of you were away. Uh, but there was this family uh, in town uh, in the city from China, and they were dropping off their, their daughter at college. And before the gathering, I saw them. I go over to introduce myself, and I I'd go to say, Hi, I'm Josh. And before I could even get out, Hi, I'm Josh, the father, this Chinese man, goes, Pastor Josh. I'm like, Yes. He goes, I saw, you, I saw you on the website, and I, and I said, oh, okay, and then I got to talking to them a little bit more, and, and learned that his daughter was living up in, in Charlestown, and I said, oh, actually, we have a, a new church where we're starting up in, in Charlestown, and he goes, yes, Pastor JD, I'm like, wow, okay, you've really done your, your research, and, and I just, i talking to this guy, uh, it was, it was so sweet, this, this guy, uh, ushers his daughter to Boston, he and his wife, and they were so concerned. They did their research. They listened to sermons. They're, they're checking our doctrine. And, and they were so excited to come and to say, would you help care for our daughter? Would you, would you take care of our daughter? She's in this, this foreign country. She doesn't know English all that well. And, and, and I don't know, just, just a few years ago, if that moment had happened, I would have been like, okay, yeah, we got you. Uh, but for me, this August, I mean, the, the weight of that just really, actually, really, really hit me, and, and I think here's why, because we're now, uh, with our oldest son, we're now uh, looking past grade school. Oh, my word, I'm going to make my wife cry here, but we're actually looking, he's now at seventh grade, looking past grade school, and I'm thinking, college is just around the corner. This is, this is absolutely crazy. In fact, the other day, we sent him to his new school, put him on a city bus by himself, for the first time, I walk him to the bus stop, he takes off, and then I run and jump in my car, and I follow him. <laughs> I follow the bus all the way to school through the city, and uh, I mean, I get it, right? I get Paul. I get this this father from, from China that, that to have trustworthy people, to care for my family, to act as family for them. It pays to be connected and then that dad uh he ends he, they hang out to, they, they basically locked up the building here with us at the end of the day they stood with us till the end and then he says can I get a photo and somebody else takes a photo of me dad mom and the daughter and I just thought wow what a what a cool picture of connected robust faith family that stretches across the globe because we're all following Jesus we all have our eyes on Jesus Paul he provided it, but he also received it. He says, Can you help me out? Can you take care of, can you take care of my boy Timothy? A question for you. Do you gravitate towards one or the other? Providing it, receiving it? I would venture to say that probably many of us gravitate towards one or the other, and not many of us really balance those, those well. I, I think many of us we love to help others but we're unwilling to receive help. You were designed for both. And maybe others of us, we love to come to church and we love to receive and, and just the, the good gifts that, that, that God has given you through church, then we love that, but we're not really plugging in and finding ways that we can serve and, and help uh, create uh, the, the church family that we want to be 10 years from now. You're, you're designed for both. Church is not meant to be a spectator sport, right? I'm telling you, I, I went to college, college students, and uh, I I remember I remember watching college sports. It was fun, you know. It was it was fun, I guess. I I, I mean, I did enjoy it, and uh, but I'm telling you, there's nothing, nothing, nothing like being in intramural sports. And playing with my boys, right? There's some. It's entirely different, right? Spectating and going, yeah, and I got the shirt, right? It's entirely different when you get yourself in the game, and and so 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 Paul is. It's it's both, right? You you, you provide, you receive, you you get engaged, and, and you receive the benefits of of what other people have to offer, and 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 you're, you'll thrive that way. And no matter who you are, you, you've got to do both. Whether you've, you've been here at the church for a, a long time, maybe you're, you're a college student, which is real easy to think, well, like, yeah, I'm a college student. This isn't really my home, and so I'll just sp- spend four years doing nothing. That's not gonna, you're not going to get from church family what God has designed you to, to get, and, and you get by giving, and you get by, by being plugged in, and maybe you're, you're new to Boston, and you're like, ah, I don't know, and, and God wants you, to, he wants you to plug in. Maybe you're here for just a season in Boston. Some of our greatest families in the church have been people who, you know, I'm here for a, a fellowship just for a short season. Uh, I'm working on my doctoral work and, and I'm just here for a season. And, and maybe you're one of those, you're new to middle school and you're like, I'm a middle schooler. There's not a place. Yes, there is a place for you. No matter who you are, your faith thrives when you're connected, when you're providing and when you're receiving. That's how we are wired. Notice what Paul says in verse 9. He says, there are many adversaries. The reality is, life is hard. Am I lying? Am I lying? Anybody get beat up just this week in one way, shape, or form? Anybody? Yeah. Life, life is hard. Following Jesus can, can be hard. And there are many adversaries. And, and, and so Paul says, listen, it's hard for me. And so I need to see you. I, I, I don't want to just pass through. I want, to, I want to be with you. I want to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. I want to have my soul refreshed. I want Timothy to, to, to be full of peace again. My, my boy, I want, I want him to be taken care of. Faith family is one of God's great gifts to keep you keeping on. And God has given us, so, God's given us his spirit, himself. God's given us his, his word. But, but God's also given us his people, and he wants us to be deeply connected with his people. Now, the, the next two verses after 12, they're interesting in their placement. They're, they're smack in the middle, right, uh, of this last chapter. It feels kind of odd, uh, but I, th- I think Paul's up to something. Re- read them with me, uh, 13 and 14. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So this is really his final charge. We see Paul living out uh, connectedness, sameness, oneness, not division, but unity through Jesus. We see Paul living that out, and then right in the middle of all of his remarks, he goes, oh, by the way, be watchful. That is, don't Fall into the same junk that I just addressed for 15 chapters. Don't fall into the same stuff, the same divisions that you've been getting tripped up in. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Don't don't be wishy-washy. Raise the flag early. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be distinct. Live out what you say you believe. College students, live out what you say you believe on campus. This is going to be a time where you're not at home anymore and you can either become an independent man of God, an independent woman of God, where you're, you're not living, writing off of mom and dad's faith any longer, but I am making the decision that I will live for Jesus. Or you can just, you can just wander far from God. See, it happen all the time, year after year after year, freshman after freshman after freshman after freshman. Freshmen, stand firm in the faith. It says, act like men. This phrase is, uh, for those of you who are kind of get a little ruffled by that, this phrase was a, a phrase that was common for them, uh, used in the military, which was only uh, men at the time. And yet, Paul is applying it to all Christians, this phrase saying, be courageous, soldiers of the faith, be courageous. You have many adversaries, but be courageous. God's given you what you need. And then he says, and be strong. Remember that your strength, as he's talked about in previous chapters, comes from God, the Holy Spirit within you, and it's fortified by God's people around you. Be strong, and then let everything you do be done in love. Question for you. Was the Corinthians' faith and their actions in the church family prior to Paul writing this letter, was it lived out and done in love? No, it wasn't. Not at all. And he's saying, now in light of everything that I pointed you to, needs to be done and love. That's such a solid final charge, right? I mean, that's such a great charge. But he places it smack in the middle of what? He places it smack in the middle of this chapter that's just really loaded with Paul's model, his example of relationship. What he's doing here is he's saying, here's how you are going to be able to be watchful, to stand firm, to act like men, to be courageous, to be strong. Here's how you're going to be able to to do that. This successfully happens when there are no divisions among you, and you are united, and you are living a connected faith with other people. When you're living out your faith alongside of other people, providing relationship, receiving relationship, when you're doing that, he says, then you will be able to be watchful. You'll be able to stand firm. You'll be able to act like men and be courageous and be Be strong. Now, as we wrap up, here's how Paul goes out. I love this. Here's how Paul goes out. He goes out, 1 Corinthians, Paul's out. He goes out name dropping. He goes out name dropping. And I just, I want to read it to you. And and I just want you to listen to all the names that Paul throws out here. Okay? Can you do that? Let's just sit in the names that Paul throws out. So I'm going to read 15 through the end. He says, now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus uh, because they have made up for your absence, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give, Give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Lots of names here. Final remarks like, be subject to. Willingly follow the, the leadership that, that God has put over you. They're, they're here to help you be connected. They're here for your, your, your care and for your protection. He gets updates about, about people who have been helpful. Uh, he says, I want you to, to remind Corinth to thank them. Church, thank them. Be grateful for them. And, and, I, and then I love this. He says, you better kiss each other. You better, this is one of those that we don't literally live out together on a Sunday, but he says you better kiss each other. This is his way of saying there needs to be real affection in your hearts for each other, church. You've got to foster that. If, you don't, if you're sitting here right now and you don't have real affection in your heart for the, the people around you, the question you need to ask yourself is, so, so how do I get there? What, what steps do I need to take to get there, to, to, to grow that, nurture it? Help it, help it grow, and then I've got to point this out. Verse twenty-one, Paul says, "And I wrote this letter with my own hand." Now, most of his other letters—not all of them, but most of his other letters—I know he he wrote with his own hand uh, the letter uh, Philemon as well, but most of them he dictated to somebody. Okay, write this down. Or Paul had been beaten so badly and imprisoned or is in chains that, that he couldn't write it himself, so he's dictating to other people. He says, this, one, this, this one's different, Corinth. I love you so much. I care for you so much. I so want to see you thrive and to do well in life and in faith and in, in mission that, that I wrote this thing out with my own hand. He, he, he labored over it himself. Why? Because he has such a deep affection for these people. And he's very careful with this relationship. Bottom line here is that Paul is connected. He's connected not just as a pastor. He's, he's connected as recipient. And, and that's the example for every single one of us. Is, is to have a relationship with, with church that is robust. That is, I'm 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 providing i'm receiving it goes both ways that's what god wants for us that's what paul had that was the example he closes out with here and that's the example that will undergird your ability to be courageous and to stand firm in the faith and to act like men and to be strong many of you know our uh, our dear miss hayman i love her so much she's such a great friend to me and uh I remember after years of praying for her, one of my greatest joys in ministry was getting to see her come to faith in Jesus and then baptizing her right up here was one of my greatest joys uh, in, in, uh, in ministry. And one of my favorite things about Miss Heyman is a lot of times we'll have conversations and I'll say somebody's name and she'll say, Oh, yeah. That's my cousin. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, she's just she's related to everybody in Boston. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, she really, she really is. Oh, you know Will Bullock? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. I mean, just unreal the people that she knows. That's my niece, that's my nephew, that's my uncle, that's my cousin, that's my godchild. I'm like, dang, Miss Heyman, you know everybody. You're connected to everybody. And she just kind of shrugs her shoulders. I got a big old family. That's true, right? She's just got a big old family. Let me just tell you something. This is not just Miss Heyman. Even if you're not from Boston, I, I, I want you to know, you need to hear this, that, that when you give your life to Jesus, you can shrug your shoulders and say, i got a big old family. I'm connected in Boston. I've I got, I got people there. i got people in Boston. At the beginning of the letter, Paul says, chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you. His appeal for unity, for, for, for connectedness, his appeal is by the name of the Lord Jesus. When I was younger, as a teenager, I'd go out, and my mom was always worried that I was going to get into some kind of trouble. One of the things she'd always say on my way out the door is, Joshua, Joshua, remember, you're a Wyatt. Like the Wyatt name is just something, you know, remember you're a Wyatt. And great-grandma says that we're connected to uh, English royalty, by the way. And so, but I, I've talked to other people and they say, well, that's funny, my grandma said the same thing. My grandma said I'm from Scottish royalty. It's, anyhow, remember you're, Josh, you're a Wyatt, right? That, that name, right? That family name. We are Christians. We are, we're Christians. Christ is our, our name that we unite around. Not Wyatt, not Haman, not Smith, not what. The name that we are united around is the name of Jesus because as the Bible says, there is no name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Given to men. The name of Jesus has been given to you. You are now, you look to Jesus in faith, you are now a Christian and that name Unites us, and as you look through the list of names that Paul keeps dropping, not just here but in all his epistles, all his letters, those names, and that name, Jesus, it it, it crosses ethnic divide, it crosses economic divide. It crosses generational divide. Nations who are once hostile to each other share the name of Jesus. We are in Boston's most ethnically diverse neighborhood right now. And look around this room. That's beautiful. It's because of the name of Jesus. And one of my favorite things about the Apostle Paul is that at the end of all of his letters, he just drops a bunch of names. And so this week I've been kind of looking through uh, his epistles, his, his letters, and I started to compile a list of the names that he drops in the final chapters of each of his epistles. And so I want to do it one more time. Here, here's how I want to close. I want to close by reading some names from his very first epistle because I thought, I thought actually honestly thought for a few weeks now that I would get up here and read all the names, and I just realized that's not even possible um, once I got into the first epistle, the first letter, Romans, all the way to his last, Second uh, Timothy, it's unreal. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to attempt this, and this is a preacher pro tip right now. What you do is you say it really fast or you fake it, right? And so uh, you just bear with me. But can we do this? This might feel a little odd for you, and I don't normally ask people to do this, but would you just close your eyes for a minute as I read the names on the backside of Romans to you? And I want to let it encourage your heart, inspire your heart, that, that your list of names might grow, maybe in number, at the very least in depth of relationship. This is God's design for you. You ready? The backside of Romans. Phoebe, a servant. Priscilla and Aquila. Eponitis, Mary. Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. Impliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Urbanus, my fellow worker. Stachys, Apelles, who is approved in Christ. See how he, he reminded Apelles, you have the approval of the Lord, you don't need anybody else's approval. The family of Aristobulus, my kinsman Herodian. The family of Narcissus, workers in the Lord. and... And Trephosa, Persis, who has worked hard. Rufus, you are chosen in the Lord and your mother who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Fijon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers. I like that, Hermes and the boys. Philogus, Julia, Nereus and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints who are with him. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's just his first letter. You can open your eyes. I don't know what that does in your heart, but as I read through that, and I've been writing other ones down, I just envision my life being an old man and saying, wow, look at, look at all the people that God has enabled me to cross paths with and to befriend and be on the same team with. What, a, what an amazing, what an, what an amazing gift. Maybe, I don't know, maybe as we read that, uh, you found a name for your next baby. Uh, who knows? But name dropping, connections. I'll be really transparent here. Our heart as a church is to see you connected to Jesus and to other Christians. To Jesus and his mission as you have a relationship with him and to each other. That's that's what we're aiming for. And we believe that if we can help you be connected to Jesus and to other Christians, your faith will thrive. Paul had connections because Paul made a choice to live his life connected. And you can have connections. You can have a deep Rolodex, black book, contact app, right? You can have it deep if you make a choice to live your life connected, connected to Christ, connected to each other. It does take work. It takes time to build those relationships. I promise you, I promise you, it's so worth it. As I look back at the churches that I've been involved with in my life, even prior to becoming a pastor, I'll tell you, when I say that was an amazing church experience, it wasn't because the preacher was so funny. It wasn't because the worship was so good, just the quality of music. It wasn't because the facility was incredible. You know what it was? Every single time as I look back, the ones that those those stood out, just the relationships were amazing. And it, you know what, I'll tell you this too. It didn't depend on that church. It always depended on me. It always depended on whatever season of life I was in. Did I choose in that season to prioritize those relationships? Because I could prioritize them. this is this season is books only and just books. And those were the seasons I was incredibly anxious and stressed out and felt alone. It's a choice. It's a choice. Paul chose to live his life connected. I'm choosing to live my, my life connected. We want to invite you to live your life connected to Jesus and to his people. And then you thrive. Let's pray. God. Thank you so much for this amazing reminder at the end of a really amazing book. God, we're thankful that you have made a way for people who are so different ethnically, socially, economically, generationally that we can be one in Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you are all one, Jesus. Thank you for that name that unites us. And God, we pray today that if there's anybody in this room who has never been connected by faith to Jesus, been made right with God through the work of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for their sins and giving them forgiveness, a clean start and a new life, that today they in their heart would trust in Jesus and turn to you in faith. And God, I pray for, for those in this room who they know Jesus, but they're, just, they're not connected. And they're not going out of their way to help others get connected. Well, that you would stir their hearts and that this semester and this year would be a new season for them. A season of, of really investing in relationships and really thriving in faith. And so God, I, I commit them to you. May we all grow old and look back and just have so many tremendous relationships people who have been there for us and we've been there for them and we've grown together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.